sing. <laughs> la 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 la. la, la. Listening to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Joining me today to drop in some picks for the second weekend of the NFL playoffs is the co-founder of SportsBlogNewYork.com, Phil DeMeo. What's up? Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm pleased to say we have our our uh, our third guy. Our, our, I don't even know what to call you, but he, he's a the big, part of the big three. Mike Palmasano, what's up? You're here for the picks. Hey. You've been you've been gone for a minute, but you're back now. Yeah, no, I uh, told you, new year, new us. It's uh, getting back into the groove of things, and um, nothing like playoff picks, you know. Nothing really get you a little extra jazzed up for these uh, these playoff teams, which were surprisingly pretty good last week, I thought. And you conveniently show back up on the podcast when your Steelers are in, are ready for a playoff run, huh? Very well, convenient. someone someone needs an unbiased uh, take on the team, so here yeah. You know, uh, before we were recording this fine podcast on Thursday evening, I was, uh, after work, met up with a, pa- a good old pal of mine who happens to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I was actually pretty pretty happy to run into him today leading up to this week, and I haven't talked to any Eagles fans, really. And uh, he was surprisingly confident. He thought mm. that he kind of felt as if the Eagles have been getting slighted leading up to this game, and he thinks the fact that they're underdogs is fine. Like, he's not, he's not worried at all. Let me tell you something. Uh, your friend right there? Has Psycho. every reason to be confident. Yeah. Because because I think the Eagles, not only are they gonna well, you know what, I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything here. Okay. But I, I agree with him. I agree with him uh, wholeheartedly. You might have just spoiled it, but that's fine. We're gonna get to that later. We're gonna get into some picks uh regarding the second weekend with the divisional round of the NFL. But first let's let's BS a little bit about the last week's game. So first off, me and Phil hopped on last week and gave out our picks. Um, on on the show, and not bad for for you and I, Phil. So Phil, you ended up two for four, if I'm not mistaken. Both of us whiffed on the Chiefs, especially me. I mean, I was Phil. How confident was I? I said they're going to run away with it. They're going to lock it up. And what did the Chiefs do? They chiefed. What did Alex Smith do? He Alex Smith. It was pathetic. Mariota threw a touchdown to himself by accident. I mean, ha- were you disappointed like I was? Because I was like. I didn't even know what to do watching that game, watching that second half specifically. Yeah, I'm in a pool. You got to pick four games a week. So in the playoffs, you got to pick every game. So it's four point, three point, two point, one point. The four point, I picked the Chiefs. And so I was very confident in them as well. And they definitely let me down. I get what they did. Once Kelsey got hurt, that game completely turned upside down. It was like, I mean, also, you know what? Tyreek Hill, low key in the beginning of the game, didn't help out the squad, but it didn't really matter because they're up 21 3 at halftime. And then defensively, offensively, they literally just had nothing. Do you, is this the end of Alex Smith in Kansas City? Is that a thing? Officially you have official? To think, you have to think that, yeah. Patty Mahomes. Mike, how do, you, how, so. do you, how do you feel about the whole Chiefs situation? You literally said the Chiefs are going to chief it. You know, you, as the, you know, the team that's lost, I think it was five straight at home or just five straight playoff games going into the game. Was it six? No, no, more One than or the that. Other. More than that. You know, they, they, they had to win that game. And Andy Reid's on the hot seat. It's it's burning hot, and I think Alex Smith is going to be on his way out. Um, maybe find himself in a, in a Jaguars uniform, depending on how they play this week. Maybe um, a Jets uniform. Who knows? Who knows? But I think yeah, I think that's uh, the Chiefs going to have to find something else because there's no way you know. Just you had two years in a row playoff games. You got you know at home you got to win one of them, and they didn't. Especially against the Titans. No way you lose that game. No way. You know, funny you bring up the Jets in that situation. I was talking to a good old friend, friend of the show, has his own show, actually. His name's Scott Wagonblast, uh, has a fantasy football podcast. Uh, we were talking on Twitter, and he actually brought up the idea that he would really like to have Alex Smith to be the quarterback of the New York Jets. To, sure. To, you know, just provide some stability, to not put too much pressure on the young guy. Basically, try to do what the Chiefs just did, but do it a little better, I guess, right? Maybe, you know, maybe they win a playoff game, but most likely not, I guess, with Alex Smith. But, uh, Phil. Our yep. house Jets fan. Does that something that tickles your feathers, or you're staying away? It really, like talking about this last week, really bothers me how the NFL free agency is before the draft. Because if we don't get a quarterback, quarterback we there like just there's not one that that Mac and um, GM likes. Surely I like bring Alex Smith on, but the fact that we had we have to sign or trade for Alex Smith before the draft, and then like someone like Donald falls to the Jets at six, like why? I don't know. It would bother me. It really depends on the situation like that. It's really hard to say. But I want him, yeah. But if I get a, a top rookie instead, I'll go for that. 
I hear now, that. Now, Phil, would you be okay with the, you know drafting a Darnold or a Rosen and having them start right out of the gate? And it's kind of a different NFL than you know the last ten years or so, where you would have you know a rookie quarterback, let's say, get drafted and learn under the starting quarterback for a year, two years. Now you see a lot of these rookies start right out of the gate. Are you okay with you know the Jets essentially you know rebuilding with a rookie quarterback for the next couple of years, going through the growing pains, or you know, do you want to see a formidable quarterback with you know this good kind of young core? You know, he's got a, got a pretty good defense. The receiving core is pretty good. You know, what what's your uh, vision there? Well, first of all, just give me a two prong question because Petey over there is Giants in the same situation. They actually have a veteran quarterback in Eli Manning. But for the Jets, um, I'm a firm believer in when you draft a quarterback, the way the only way you can learn is on the field. So the two ways, the two people who stood out who didn't do this are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Tom Brady um, was, wasn't playing. He got in by injury. He was eventually going to play, but he, that's how he got in. And Aaron Rodgers, if you read back then, he was, the, the Packers staff knew he was good, but they couldn't play him over Favre. They said he would have started over any other team, but you can't sit Brett Favre. So I feel like if you get a quarterback, you got to play him. The only way they learn is on the field. Now, I'm not, not holding clipboard. As much as that sounds like in your head, like, oh, he's going to learn, he's going to do this. No, you learn from making the throw, not watching the throw. I think it also depends who you're learning underneath. Like if you're Aaron Rodgers learning under Brett Favre or, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo learning under Tom Brady, I think that's, you know, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, a little different. But, you know, if you're Sam Darnold learning under, uh, you know, whoever the Jets would start next year, then I think it's a, a, a totally different situation. That's I that's agree. exactly what I was thinking, waiting for Phil to talk about the Jets. I, I just think that the Jets and Giants have completely different situations. If you look at a guy like Eli Manning, yeah, he's not Brett Favre or Tom Brady, but he's like not that far off, right? And as far as professional ability, I think I just made that word up. Professional ability, right? Guy ha- yeah. knows how to he knows how to prepare for a game. He knows how to watch film, break it down. Definitely work. He knows how to work at the line of scrimmage. Eli Manning's the type of guy you're really comfortable with a young guy developing under for like a year. But you know what? You know what seems to be happening over the past couple of years with these top picks or first round, second round quarterback picks. It's like three games in, team goes zero and three. It's like, all right, let's give him a shot, and maybe that's enough time because maybe that three game buffer allows them just to see what a week of practice is like. You know, so I think having at least a guy like that, like Mike Glennon, what did he do this year? He played three games. The Bears stunk, and Mitch Trubisky came in. That sounds like a possible uh, Jets situation there. So the Jets sign who knows who, or Bryce Petty wins the job, say, somehow, right? He starts three games. Oh, wow, he stinks. Let's bring in the new guy. But for the Giants, it's a situation you could actually see Eli Manning come in. Maybe they're 2-2. Two and two, Maybe they're 3-1. and one, Maybe they're, I don't know. Maybe they're 1-3. But you still ride with Eli because he's Eli Manning. That's still a good situation for a young quarterback. So the Giants and Jets are different, but I think both have uh, – possibilities to be good to be positive it just depends agreed agreed if i'm donald I, i'm or any you know any of the rookie quarterbacks and i'm a giant fan i think the whole situation for everyone involved is very good going in having eli you know one because giants you know they just had a really bad year with bad coaching staff getting a new coach kind of really discipline the team the gm you know gettleman's already kind of getting everyone in order uh i think you get rid of the cancers on the team and you get odell healthy get the defense healthy, I think that's a good situation for the Giants. We definitely veered off the path here. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, I mean, we knew we were going to chit-chat about some stuff before we got to these picks. chit-chat. Also, chat uh, you guys ha- happen to see, I actually had a tweet talking about this in, in a weird way this uh, this week. Did you guys happen to see it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I actually, uh, you know, I saw one of, your, uh, one of your followers said they got it on the first read. Yeah. I uh, took me about three reads. Uh, just, you know, I, I understood what you were saying. I just kind of wanted to follow it. Right. But, yeah, that's, you know, totally, you know, that's kind of the point where, you know, we're saying that when you're underneath a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, it's definitely worth letting the, the rookie season with the clipboard opposed to, you know, having uh, Mariota or, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, all these quarterbacks go right in, just start right off the gate. For sure. And just to give a little background on the tweet, uh, I'm at P. Kennedy, two wise. I basically went on a rant. It happened uh, pretty organically between me and Alec Argento on, on the last episode of the SBNY podcast. We were just like chatting about Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo and that whole Patriots drama. And we started joking around about Wally Pip. All started with a good old Wally Pip. And I know Mike Palmasano, you know about that one. So we talked about Tom, Tom Brady basically. He Tom Brady drew Bledsoe. 
But then Jimmy G was trying to Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Then brought Steve Young in. It brought in Brett Favre. It was, it's, there's been a, a few of these examples, Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, obviously, being the biggest ones, where this, like, really, really works. But the, then the weird part is, who, who's to say Jimmy G wouldn't have been a stud if he got the chance Car- Carson Wentz got? You know? Like, it's really un- it's unmeasurable, right? Like, there's no way to really tell which way worked better for which guy. It's all, it's all hypothetical. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. But we'll see. I, uh, do you think the Jets take a quarterback at number six, Mike and Phil? Depending who's there. Um, I agree. But I also wouldn't put it past the Jets to trade trade down, maybe get some some depth in the picks, you know, try to fill up some other guy. You know, the Jets are a team with many holes to fill, and obviously quarterback's the most important hole here. But if you could trade down, maybe get one of the, you know, second-tier draft quarterbacks and then also go with a um, – someone on defense or, you know, offensive lineman or running back, you know, because they need positions to fill. So I, I don't think I don't think that's a terrible idea either. I think they either take a quarterback or Mika Fitzpatrick or they trade down if neither of them. If the quarterback they don't like is not there and Mika Fitzpatrick is not there, I think they trade down. I think they have to have the, the quarterback they want in mind. They can't say, all right, uh, you know, have they have to have one guy they're invested in, and if he's not there, then they got to, you know, they got to go to Plan B. I don't think they could go with the secondary option here, only because you know that if you're settling for someone that you, you weren't really in love with, then it just won't be a good fit. Spin it's like a relationship, right, Mike? It's like, boy, it's like a, it's like a girl, same thing. Sure, sure. Uh, I guess in some ways. <laughs> yeah, spin zone, real quick. Jets trade up with the Giants. Boom. How you doing? Do you think I mean, you know how the Yankees would never trade with the Mets? you yeah. think the Giants would trade with the Jets? Yeah, I, I think it's the same philosophy. I don't uh, know. Uh, now there's too, too much in the line for that to happen. No, nah, for sure. The way I look at it is the, the Yankees can trade with the Mets and the Giants can trade with the Jets because no matter what goes down there, the Jets and the Mets are going to end up on the wrong side of it, right? Like, that's just how it's going to go. The Giants and Yankees will win somehow. Until until it happens, until the Yankees give up a, a low-level prospect that turns into the next face of the town, and that's when everything will change. And you know, I don't think it's worth it for you, the team. Yeah, for sure. I was kind of just messing around, too. Uh, but without further ado, Mike Palmazano, Phil DeMeo, and I'm Pete Kennedy. Uh, we're here to talk picks for this weekend. We got four more picks, games. Picks, 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 picks. NFL Divisional Round. In week one of the playoffs, all four dogs, all four of them covered. Two of them won outright. It was pretty wild if you bet on, if you bet on the favorites. Um, Mike. Do you think automatically when you hear that all dogs covered that Vegas won't let that happen again? Um, I, I don't think they want it to happen again, but I think it will happen again. What? Did you, just, did you just show all your cards right there? You don't know how many cards they have, but uh, I think that this is, you know, it's just too, it's too good to be true. And, you know, I, I just... I, the first week, I think I thought maybe uh, I thought Buffalo was going to win outright, um, and I didn't think Tennessee was going to win outright. I think they were to cover maybe, and you know, look at that. You know, so uh, especially with the two big, you know, the heavyweights, you know, the two uh, in the AFC, I think there's a lot of points to be had, and I think there's a lot of dogs to be covered. Wow, very very interesting. Uh, Phil, do you have a preference of which game we should start off with? Uh, do you want to go in order of the games? Yeah, let's do it like that. I think- so we'll go with uh, Atlanta minus three at Philadelphia. Right. All right, so start, um, start, start, this is a tough one to start it off, for real. If you think about it, this might be – I don't I don't know. I guess it depends how you look, but I kind of think this is one of the hardest games to judge. But, Phil, start us off. Um, yeah, so last week we went two for two in the NFC. Um, I, be- I believe in the Falcons a lot. I thought there were a lot to beat the Rams, to be honest with you. Uh, this week, I love Philadelphia. I love Wentz the whole year. The last two games were falls, and just the way they're rolling away, the way the Falcons look get uh, the other day. I think it's hard to pick the, against the Falcons. I know they're home, I know they're uh, away favorites, and that's very, very rare in the playoffs. I believe it's the first time ever that I'm only seeing underdog, so that's like that's amazing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the hot team. I know Philly's off that bye. You know they've been waiting for they've probably been prepping for Atlanta for a while. Um, yeah, probably have, they probably have the advantage in the O line and D line. Just the way Atlanta's running right now, 
And I just cannot trust Nick Foles in a playoff game. I mean, he could go out there and do five touchdowns. Wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not trusting him. I'm taking Landon minus three. So, Phil, if Nick Foles goes and throws five touchdowns, you don't think the Eagles win the game? No, no, they do. It wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles he does that, but if I had a pick, I would pick against that. I think Atlanta covers. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I'll go second here. Um, I agree with Phil. Atlanta is red hot. And after last week's performance, you know, I I was a big girly guy this year, and I thought, uh, I think it was like a five-point, you know, spread last week. I thought, um, you know, I thought L.A. We might have covered that. But, um, you know, well, LA, LA was up. favorite, by the way, right? Yeah. Just to yeah, make, yeah. To make so that I thought clear, they would yeah. cover the spread. You know, I and I kind of thought, you know, LA is going to go into the next round, and then Atlanta beats them. Uh, you know, twenty twenty something like thirteen, twenty six thirteen. Uh, so I'm going to this week. I'm like, oh, you know what, Atlanta. I'm taking the points in Atlanta. You know, there's no, you know, they're going to get a couple points here. How are you not? And then I see the line come out, and I see Philly's a home dog, and that just stunk from a mile away from me. You have probably between 60-70% of the public on Atlanta, probably. I got to go take a look at it. You know, Vegas is begging you to take Atlanta given three points. They're begging you. And from my mind, so you know what? Maybe they win the game. Maybe they do win the game. Is it on a game-winning field goal, win by a point or two? Maybe push the three? But you can't tell me that. At home, a home dog, I I can't bet against them. I'm going to take Philly plus three here. Only because... They're home dogs. And the way, you know, not even because of the game itself, just looking at the Vegas lines, the way they're thinking about it, there's no way that they would just give, you know, three points. You know, you got to get a couple points for being the home team here. No, not even. They're giving Philly plus three, and I'm going to take three points here. I'm going to go with the number one seed in the NFC. Wow. That was that was, number, a, that was uh, a piece of art right there, Mike. That was beautiful. I, they, and you know what? Are they the one or the two seed? Who, what? Are they the one or the two seed? They're the one seed. They're the one seed. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the number one seed getting the three. I, I like that. And you know what? Another wrinkle when it comes to the actual line, which is currently at three. This is Thursday night. We're recording. I literally am checking it live right now. It's still three. But earlier today, it was three and a half. Like earlier in the morning. So them dropping Look it down to three is begging you even more to take yeah. the Falcons because now you don't even have to buy the half point to live on that three point push. So, not live on it, but you know what I mean. Live to see the next day. Um, and then I saw my buddy from Philly, the Eagles fan. He says he thinks the defense is going to be fired up, which obviously they should be, right? So now I think about the Falcons, and I think they're rolling. I think Ryan and, and that offense can get going at any moment. But they played the Rams last week, a team with an inexperienced quarterback, inexperienced head coach. He looked good, though, man. Who, Goff? Yeah, he looked yeah. really good. He did, he did fine. I like the Rams a lot. Like, he wasn't the like reason why it looked like him. Oh, no, I'm, just, I'm just saying. But wait. Real quick, real quick sidebar, the Rams, I think, uh, you know, with the Cardinals and the Seahawks, probably, you know, Cardinals got to retool, losing Palmer and Arians. The division's still been over now. On the downtrend, that, that Rams team might be the team to be in that division for a couple of years to come. But and, the 49ers are coming up. Yeah. That is true. Watch out for Jimmy Jesus. But the Rams, it wasn't in the cards for them. And a home, what does home field advantage mean to the Rams right now? They've been in L.A. for two years. They got a little crowd going because they were playing so well. But... This Philly crowd on Saturday is going to be out of control. Out Rockus. of control. And I, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I fought myself all year betting against home dogs and getting it wrong. And I can't do it again. I'm with Mutz. I'm taking Philly with the points. Isn't it weird how you pick those games? Like if you just said, uh, you know, let's pick the games, pick the winner here, no, no points, you know. We're probably all taking Atlanta, you know, just because of the way they're rolling. But the way they make these lines, you know, I, you know, I'm curious to see. And I looked it up. 64% of the public's on Atlanta, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see that line go down. You know, it opened at two and a half. I wouldn't see. Would be shocked to see it go down. You know, you know, fluctuate a little bit. But yeah, that the three points is a home dog. I think it's going to be a tight game either way. I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta wins. Um, you know, because of the lack of uh, Wentz with the Philly there. But you know, they're pretty rested up, Philly. They're going to be going to be a little jerked up and you know, bring the turn back. So, yeah, hey. let's, let's see the plus three. Yeah, P, I, I know what you said about the Philadelphia crowd. And I don't love Matt Ryan, but I think he's mature enough and experienced enough and not really effective that, well, that much. 
I hear you. That's a, it's super fair. It really is super fair. And honestly, this is Thursday night by Sunday when I'm I mean Saturday at four thirty five when I'm looking at this game. Like I I might just be a hypocrite and bet on the Falcons. I guess hedge my bet against the podcast. But right now, like I'm I'm feeling that Philly vibe. I, I, I think Nick Foles like he's a toss up. But the, the the coin has a chance to land on the right side. Like he could look great this Saturday. If like he gets protected a little bit, gets the ball out quick. I don't know. There's a chance he looks great. I don't. That's just me. I got that. All right, so we'll go to the game number two. It is the first game to AFC. It is not uh, Mike Steelers. It's the Patriots, who right now, to my website, is a minus 13 and a half at home against the Tennessee Titans. Ah, oh, boy, it's yeah. You know, I'll leave it off here. The uh, the funny thing about the Patriots is that you know I was saying before you could give. You can give 15, 16 points to Tennessee, and I think I would think the Patriots would cover. You know, um, you know, I'd be a little worried if it went above the 14, because that's just kind of leaving the door open for you know backdoor field goals or you know touchdowns to kind of ruin ruin a two touchdown win. But at 13 and a half, New England at home, there's you know there's nothing really in sight that's gonna you know stop them from getting to their a billionth straight AFC Championship game. Um, and Tennessee, even though they had a nice little win last week, I was happy for him. And I, I, even though I hate DeMarco Murray, he just screwed me over in fantasy this year. So I kind of have a vendetta against them. <laughs> Derrick Henry, you know, good for you. Uh, yeah, I think the Patriots win, and I think they win big, and I think they cover the 13 and a half. I have a. You go next. I have a general rule of thumb with the Patriots and the Warriors. That like I just don't bet against them. I either bet on them or just don't, or just don't bet. Right? I just because like last night the Warriors were ten point favorites on the Clippers. It's like all right, you know what? Like Clippers aren't that great. Blake Griffin's hurt. Da da da. Austin Rivers is hurt. Patrick Beverly's hurt. Daniel Gallinari's hurt. Like what are the Clippers right now? Uh, Warriors got Kevin Durant. Steph Curry ended up not playing. Line was still nine. Warriors lost by ten. So like. But I never, I never would have had the guts to put the money on the Clippers, and I feel the same way with the Patriots. And I just can't imagine. Like that's why I would never, I would never pick the Titans here. I would never pick the Titans. I would only. Do you feel pick the same the way about the Cavaliers? Not right now, no. Like the, the losing Cavaliers, my thirty right now. They're getting Watch smacked it. right now by the Raptors, if I'm not mistaken. So, so I just, I'm just watching uh, the Raptors go up by thirty-one actually, and the line is the Raptors getting two and a half, and and even you know this is this is crazy. This is banana land, but. Uh, you're right. I think I think there's only a couple teams in that that uh, that upper echelon right there. It's the Patriots, it's the Warriors, and I, at some point it was the Cavs. I, you know, I don't think I would actually put them in there either. But you know, it, I agree. It's you know, imagine betting against the Patriots, and then you know, or just taking the Titans with points, and then like you lose, and it's like, what was I thinking? You know, what, what yeah. was I trying to be cute here? You know? Like, oh, yeah, Titans going to cover 14, and they lose by 31. You're like, holy hell. Yeah. What's wrong with Phil, me? you're going to be cute? What are you thinking, Phil? I'm thinking to be cute. Um, I don't like taking, I don't like leaving a lot of points on the table. Like, 13 and a half is a lot. That's two touchdowns. Wait, Phil, could I cut you off one second real quick? Also, I think right. if you're ever going to take 13 and a half, which, like, if you have the option, just please at least buy a half point to 14. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you know just if you're doing it, it's another ten bucks. You buy the half a point, so you're not you know blowing your brains out. You know, just do it, guys. Just yeah, do it. But buy. Phil, it's, I, it's, I think Phil might be buying the the point. Uh, you know, the other way here. What are you, what are you doing, Phil? No, I I like to be cute with these games. I think it's very hard to leave that many points on the table. Um, hey, a Russian touchdown first played by Derek Henry, you're up twenty twenty one nothing. You buy the point, right? That's a lot of points to come back from. But saying that, I saw Tom Brady's Instagram this uh, this week. The warrior, the warrior quote with that picture, it's uh, Patriots by a billion, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Instagram swung you, huh? I really did. I, mean, I wasn't that swung the line. What if like Vegas was like, wow? Okay, I'll give him have, we'll give him one more point. You you know the line makers here saw that Instagram like a hundred percent. That's what I'm they, saying. They know everything. That's what I'm saying. So that was a pretty, that was a pretty big sweep. Um, I'll save the Steelers for last. Any, any closing doors on the AFC? On, uh, on the uh, Patriots? I'm fine with doing the. I'm fine with doing Steelers last. We'll, we'll switch. I'm actually. I, I um. You know, if if I may intervene here, I like to do go the Steelers next, only because I think that last game is very interesting. I agree. Steelers game. That's the, that's the best game of the weekend. All right, so we'll yeah. go Pittsburgh minus seven 
at home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll save most of the last piece starts off. All right. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are real interesting, huh? So uh, I saw a video. I'll, I'll say this quick. I saw a video today from Dan Lebitard's show when they had Chris Sims. You guys know Chris Sims, Phil Sims' son, quarterback guy, yep. Bleacher Report, whatever. Sure. So he has ranked his quarterbacks. He has an ongoing list of rankings for quarterbacks. And the ongoing thing with Lebitard right now is that Chris Sims has Blake Bortles ranked 70th on his list. Now, if you <laughs> ask, if you ask my honest opinion, he's being a jerk on purpose to be funny and like obviously get hype about it. But he he tries to back it up really hard. And today, a Jacksonville Jaguar offensive lineman who's friends with Stu Gotts, apparently calls into the show and they battle it out on air. And I was laughing my ass off about. Blake Bortles being ranked 70th. Did you guys see this at all? I did not. I saw, yeah, you know, I, I was going to click the video. Um, I saved the thumb click because I just, you know, I've been seeing a lot of Blake Bortles lately. I was kind of, you know, taking a breather from it. But I did see it. And, I, you know, I didn't imagine he'd be ranked 70th. That's, uh, I, I think that goes through. Who's in the, the 60s? Who's in the 50s? In the back yeah. Like Austin Davis was ahead of him. Uh, Cardell Jones was ahead of him. Like there was people who don't play ahead of him. We've never played. I think Cardinals have never played. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so that's besides the point. I got off topic there, and I'm seeing all this stuff about Blake Bortles, and I watched him just miss throw after throw earlier, and this is not quite the same rule of thumb with the Patriots, but I'm feeling this way about Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell, Mike Tomlin, and the Steelers' defense, which is, you know, it's respectable. It's not the Jaguars, but it's respectable. I wouldn't. I would. I just can't bet on the Jaguars. I can't do it. I gotta take the Steelers. I gotta take that offense. I gotta take Big Ben. I think Big Ben's out to prove something this year. I really do. So I'm going Steelers. I'll give the points. I'll piggyback on that. And I, Pete, I totally agree. I saw a Jacksonville offense last week. I just, you can't trust that in Pittsburgh. And I know Jacksonville beat uh, the Steelers pretty badly in like week four, week five, whatever it was. I'm sure nobody remembers that when you can tell us about it. But in that game, Big Ben threw five picks. It's not gonna happen again. I think they Antonio Brown should be relatively fully healthy. Le'Veon Bell, big big bands experience, and just for that that team Jacksonville, they have a really really good defense. You argue the best in the league. Hard to argue after that. I just think the the like the, the, pump, the firepower of New England, I mean of, the, of Pittsburgh, sorry, um, shouldn't be enough to, to 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 win. To I think seven points is a lot. I will take the seven because I do, I do think it'd be like a thirty to twenty, twenty to ten, uh, twenty one. 21-13 kind of a game. I just don't see the, the offense coming from Jacksonville. And he let our Fournette's tired. Um, he, he gets the ball a lot. And for a rookie, this would be his, what, his 19th game? Well, he missed, he he missed, missed the game. The 18th game? This is, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. There's a lot of game for a rookie. I, I'm not trusting Leonard Fournette. And if he he doesn't get anything. And the way the Bills side the box, they still do the same thing. I just can't see this Jacksonville offense putting up a lot of points. I'm, I'm taking Pittsburgh minus seven. The Steelers are going to force Blake Bortles to make plays. They're going to force him to do it. And can he make plays? Yes, he can. Can he also make horrible mistakes? Yes, he can. And then quickly, before I let Mike get the floor here, I watched that entire game, Jacksonville against the Bills. Tyrod Taylor and the Bills offense looked completely incompetent. Fine. You want to tell me that the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is that good, that the Bills offense looked that bad? You can but you could also accept the fact the Bills' offense was never that good this year. Tyrod Taylor got benched midseason. There's a reason for that. They looked horrible. And I was watching that game thinking, there's no chance in France the Steelers or Patriots' offense looks this bad and scores three points. And the Bills had a chance to score other points. They just kept blowing it. Patriots or Steelers against the Jaguars, they're going to score 14 at the minimum, 21-28 at probably the realistic level. And Jacksonville can't score that many points. That's how I feel. I agree. You guys, you guys are, you know, speaking it to a T. I really, there's not a lot I really want to piggyback on. Uh, a couple points I want to make. The, uh, you know, the early in the season when Ben threw five picks, that was a, that was a, a an outlier. It was a farce. That's never going to happen again. I don't think even think it happened. I think that was a figment of our imaginations. <laughs> the, uh, and that was a pretty, you know, he was. Go, coming into the season, you know, everyone thought he was pretty not confident. At the end of that game, he was like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing it anymore. That was low bottom, a uh, rock bottom confidence of Ben. Since then, you know, second, in middle of the season, second half of the season, 
He's been on fire. The Steelers' offense has been clicking. Uh, to think that Jacksonville was home and it took him that long to score is one thing. To go into Pittsburgh, it's going to be a raucous crowd, just like it's going to be in Philly. Just, bro, crazy fans. You know, I know a couple of my friends are going. Um, they're going to be going nuts. I Who don't... are your friends are going? Who are your friends? I got a, one Temple, of my friends Temple is a Steelers fan. One of my man. friends Temple is University. a uh, you know, football fan. I got friends who are going. Are they six hours away? From here? Or from here? Yeah. yeah. Wow. One of my one of my friends, uh, someone, uh, one of his vendors actually bought him Steelers tickets. Oh, I, I guess it's Saturday. It's not too crazy. Even Sunday is pretty hard to do. It is. It is Sunday. Thank God you got it on Monday. Oh wow, it is. Um, I'm a dumb dumb. Yeah, we're off. Wow. One thing that strikes me here, and I, you know, I always look at this when you see lines like seven points. Uh, the under-over is 41-and-a-half, which tells me that Steelers are given seven, and there's only going to be 40 point, 41 points, I think, in the score in the game. I think this is telling you that this is going to be like a 31-7 game. Steelers are going to score all day. They, you know, AB is going to be back. They're going to run all over him. You got Shazier in the building. You know, Everyone's going to be juiced up. Ben's not going to throw any picks. He's going to be trying to get back from that Week 5 game. And and the Steelers' defense is going to clamp down on, on Bortles because if the Bills could do it in Jacksonville, if, you know, if, if, if Bortles can't prove himself at home against the Bills, it's going to be hard for him to prove himself on the road in a cold game, which he doesn't really play in. And, you know, Pittsburgh in January, that's probably the coldest game he's going to play in his life. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for him to put, you know, make plays. I see this, you know, I would probably parlay, and I'm probably going to, and I think you all should too. Steelers given the seven, under 41 and a half. That's the that's the play that's the play right there and you know I just I don't see it going any other way the Steelers you know I'm a little nervous I'm looking too far into the next week to play the, the Patriots in the rematch there but I think they'll settle themselves in AB is gonna you know that calf will look fine and they'll they'll handle the the Jaguars pretty pretty handily and last cherry on top get revenge against uh, the David Garrard Jaguars from 10 years ago in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say. Um, the whole season has been leading up to Patriots and Steelers in championship game, so I doubt that does not happen. Also, I wish the Steelers were at home. Thinking about when the Steelers are at home, I mean, what's Steelers playing at night? Thinking about the Steelers' night game with the Black Jerseys, it's money. I feel like it's money, stealing money. It's a Patriot, the, my bet. The Steelers are at home at night in the Black Jerseys. It's like easy money. Tom, well, I guess Tomlin's got his sunglasses on, even though it, yeah. Tomlin's definitely wearing his sunglasses at night, even though it's like 9 o'clock. <laughs> Those aviators with that jacket doing that little fist pump he does. Ah, excited. Hey, Uncle Mike, by the way. I call on you Uncle Mike right now because those little tidbits, is what, that's why you got the name in the first place. You're bringing up the over-under. It's a great It's a great point, right? So Vegas has the over-under at 41. That means whether they're hoping people hit uh, bet over or they're hoping people bet under, doesn't matter. They're expecting it to be near that range. And how many out of say, – say it's a push, right? Say there's 41 points scored in the game like you just did. How many deep points do you think Jacksonville can score? Now here, here's the one I'm thing, saying. Mike. And if this happens, you better be on the pod next week. Jacksonville wins 31-7. Ben throws three more picks, and we all have to come back next week on Thursday or Friday, whatever day it is, and we have to sit, like hang our heads in shame while we record. We'll have to post a video of us just hanging our heads in shame. Well, listen, I'll I'll ride out the picks through the uh through the rest of the playoffs because this is you know believe it or not this is the best time to bet you know not only you, know, you have you know the playoff action itself but the games are played so tight that there's not a lot of you know the mistakes are the big plays the interceptions and you know usually you don't see you know you don't see a lot of lines blow up here you know every game is pretty tight you know last week the Saints won by uh um they won by six right. I think the spread was like five and a half. You know, I think it's just things like that. You know, these games are pretty tight. And you know, look, I'm, prime example, the Alabama um, game oh, on uh, that, on that, Monday. You that know, roller coaster. You know that you know that that game that spread was five and a half points, and the you know the uh, or whatever the spread was, and, and, half, and, and the under over that you know Vegas got it right. You know, nailed, nailed on the head. So these games are usually really close to the line. They're fun to watch. They're fun to bet on. So that's why yeah, you got to get to do in the playoffs. You can't not. Well, I guess we're all on the Steelers. We're all on, on yep. the Patriots, and we're all on the Steelers. A little bit of a mismatch on the first game. Uh, me and Mike both had um, – what, who did we – well, I just drew a blank real quick. 
about the next game? Oh no, no, right. So me, me and uh, me and Mike were on the Eagles, and Phil was on the Falcons. Sorry about that. I had a quick brain fart. But now we have one game and left. The birds over there. And that is the four o'clock game on Sunday. With the game in a week, I think, right? Underdog Saints, very possibly, very possibly. The underdog Saints and the home Minnesota Vikings giving five points, minus five. Vikings at home. Uh, Phil, I don't know if you've gone first yet, so take the ring. I'm not. Um, yeah, for me, this is the game of the week. Um, I think Minnesota is going to the Super Bowl. I think they have this first time ever in the same building. You've probably heard it a million times. Uh, the Saints look good last week. Did not look great. Um, I do think the Saints are over here. I need to be one of those classic playoff games. I'm thinking of 09 in, the, in Minnesota when the, the Saints are just destroying of Brett Favre. I hope it's, it's not going to be as physical as that because the way football is now, but just the way these two teams play, I think they match up well against each other. It's going to be a very, very close game. I think Minnesota um, brings out the end. I'm taking New Orleans with the plus five. I think Minnesota wins. Okay. So oh, you, well, so, so you do. Taking, you, all right. Oh, wait, wow. So you're taking Minnesota plus five. No, no, no I'm taking New Orleans plus five. Minnesota's going to win. About New, you know, the, the, way, the way you were you're t- speaking about this game, you were speaking so highly on Minnesota, and, and I, I thought you should go Minnesota Lions five. I was you really pulled that one. Yeah. You know, you know, that's <laughs> that's gonna be for a spin cycle right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with you, Phil. I think, I think the Super Bowl is going to be, um, you know, Minnesota, it's going to be in Minnesota. I don't necessarily think the Vikings are going to be there. I, I think you, you have Drew Brees who, you know, this has a defense now and it's almost like a pitcher kind of, uh, you know, pitching with a little run support. It, wow. For me, it's Great. the same as a, as a quarterback, you know, like you have, you don't have to Great put analogy. up 35, 40 points here. You know, you just you know play your game and don't force it. If it's you know the third, the third and longs, you know if you don't get it, you don't have to go downfield because your defense is making stops. You know the Saints' defense is for the first time in Drew Brees' you know career is is really good. You know, you know even though they won the Super Bowl, you have to have a good defense to win. First time in a while, we'll say that they, the Drew Brees has a defense behind him supporting him. Being in the dome, you know, uh, that helps Drew Brees a lot too. I love New Orleans plus five here, and I love them to win the game outright. I think the Saints uh, go on to the championship game. And, uh, you know, imagine – I'm just thinking hypothetically, you know, the Saints, uh, you know, they win. Let's say Atlanta were to win. And then the Saints, you have a, a whole stretch going through indoors to go put in the Super Bowl. That's probably ideal for, uh, for a team that plays indoors, you know, their, you know, their whole season. But in this game here, uh, I like Minnesota a lot. I think the defense is arguably the best in football. Um, you know, the five points is a lot in that game. Uh, I, I, uh, New Orleans plus five, I think they're going to come out winning that game as well. You know, you guys uh, didn't leave me much options if I wanted to go contrarian there. Um, so sorry, the rub. Think, can we, uh, can we know, all yeah. agree the winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. No, wow. How can I agree with that, Phil? I don't even know the winner of the other game. I imagine saying regardless, I think the winner goes to the Super Bowl. I think if the Falcons win, their shot is as good as anybody. If the Eagles win, I'm probably betting against the Eagles to lose in the conference. Uh, I mean, yeah, the conference championship. Depends how the Eagles win. You know, if it's just like home field defense dominating, you know, Nick Foles is like the is the not even a headline because the Eagles are playing so good all around. You know, I'm really curious to see. You know, I'm sure a lot of the people, uh, players on the Eagles are are pretty pretty pissed that everyone is writing them off. You know, they've had a 13-win season. Isn't that the most of all time uh, a regular season for the Eagles? Uh, it definitely could be, for sure. There's not many more you can we're get gonna, than that, so yeah. <laughs> we're going to say we're gonna say it is. You know, you heard it here first. The most wins regular season for the Eagles. Ever. Um, ever, ever. They never won more. True fact. Uh, yet, they're probably, probably a little chip on the shoulder. I think that all plays into it. But, uh, Pete, what do you think? What, Give us the, the, the take on the New Orleans-Minnesota game here. So before I make my pick, uh, I, have, I have a little scenario here to play out real quick, and it, it has to do with a big game that you just mentioned, the Alabama game, right? Mm. What are the odds here? New Orleans is just shutting down Case Keenum. Latavis Murray's getting two yards of carry. Nothing's working. It's like 10 nothing or 9 nothing, something like that. It's just not working right now for Minnesota's Viking, the Vikings offense. Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater are healthy. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Mike Zimmer is kind of a madman. I mean, he's been backing up Case Keenum, and he's been saying, like, you know, he's our quarterback right now, and until he's not, he is our quarterback, right? So, like, I don't think Mike Zimmer has the intention to it, but you're telling me he's not going to think about it when it's 13 nothing at halftime and they have, you know, 80 total yards. And Teddy Bridgewater's looking at him like, Coach, come on, Coach. I got you, Coach. You know? So you, you, you just compete, you're just comparing this to Nick Saban. Sure. No, I'm just like, remember, like, well, oh, the, that situation's a little different because Tua is a freshman who uh, apparently inside the organization people are already into. They knew he was a better passer. He had played throughout the year and threw eight touchdowns throughout, over the course of the year. Um, that kid's awesome, by he, the way. He's, like, already been looked at as if he doesn't get his chance, he might just transfer because he's ready to play, right? So, like, that's a different situation. But in the Viking situation, Case Keenum is not a backup. He's a backup backup. Legit. Like, he is the third string who started all year and had this great year and, and whatever. But you're telling me – put yourself in Mike Zimmer's shoes. You're telling me it's 13 nothing Saints – and Drew Brees is moving the ball pretty well. Like he's starting to get get some movement on on the Vikings' day. You're not thinking about it. Uh, is this eye patch Mike Zimmer? Or is this is this uh, uh-huh. regular Mike Zimmer? Bro, I'm eye patch Mike Zimmer is always on the inside. Just remember that. I, I you know, it's you, know, you really bring up a nice little scenario here. And the more I, I kind of I dive into it, the more I, uh, you know, I can maybe see it. But. I don't think it ever happens for two reasons. One, in the NFL, it's just a, it's a different game where you have a, your your first team offense. Which, by the way, over the week, you know, kind of came out that I believe Jalen Hurts uh, got suspended or missed a couple practices, um, and which led to Tua getting some more first team reps. I don't think they have any intention of sitting Keenum um, because it's just you know it. That would be great. Imagine being down, and then all of a sudden you bring in Bridgewater or Bradford, and who hasn't thrown a ball all year, and then you know they wind up, you know, just you know being even worse. You know, you have a good defense. I think you just you know they he would stick with his number one quarterback, let the defense bail him out for a little bit until the offense gets going. And number two, that Nick Saban is the Bill Belichick of college football. So if Bill Belichick wants to do that, then I think he has you know the, you know he has the the clout to do it. Mike Zimmer does not and if he pulled a stunt like that in the NFC divisional round and it blew up in his face I I think you could see him not a, not in Minnesota next year. Oh man. I think the, the most upset person would be uh, Case Keenum's agent because Case Keenum's a free agent and they're just plumbing his any stock someone. he has. Uh, Jets quarterback Case Keenum is that what you guys said? Wait, the thing now is uh, Michael Arizona right? That's yeah. like a rumor. Uh, so um, all right, I, basically, I agree with you, Mike. Like, I don't think this is going to happen. I think the way Mike Zimmer has treated Case Keenum uh, to the press when they ask him about Bridgewater or Bradford and how Case is doing, whatever, the way he handles it makes me think he's going to ride him out. He's going to give him the opportunity. He's earned it. He's won the games, and it's his shot. It's his game to lose. So I agree with you. I just thought it was a super interesting scenario. That's actually at least semi possible. Okay, wait, okay, so uh, if you're Mike Zimmer, do you dress both quarterbacks, Bradford and Bridgewater? Mike, I'm not sure what just happened there, but you sounded like you're underwater. <laughs> so, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you put the I mic know, in I, your mouth? <laughs> I just dove into the pool. Uh, um, if you're Mike Zimmer, are you dressing both quarterbacks? Yeah, of course. Yeah, right? If they're both ready so, to be so, dressed. So, so now, if, if Keenum goes down, who are you bringing in? Teddy. Teddy's yep. actually played at the end of the year. That, like, that last week, uh, um, Case didn't play the whole game. So te- I would go Teddy. Yeah. I mean, Sam hasn't played in so long. He neither has Teddy either. I, Teddy was on the field. He didn't really, like, play, play, play. But um, True. I guess he had to go Teddy. But hopefully, hopefully the, they're not in that situation at all. Well, let me, let me stop procrastinating here because if you guys didn't notice, I just – totally diverge the attention from what pick I'm going with to talk about that whole thing. I feel like you're going Minnesota here, but I could be wrong. You are wrong. I'm going New Orleans, and here's why. I was watching Saints-Panthers. I actually bet on the Panthers twofold last last week, so I I, uh, thought they had a chance of winning the game, so I took the money line for funsies, but then I just had them also with getting the points and whatnot. So I'm watching the game, and I'm watching Drew Brees, and all year I've been saying – the Saints are really good. They might be one of the best teams in the league. And Drew Brees hasn't even hit a stride yet. 
and watching him play the Panthers, I thought, this is Drew Brees. This is the Drew Brees that we know, and we've seen do this over and over again. Move the ball and put it in the end zone. So he really impressed me. And basically, he's one of the quarterbacks who, every time he drops back, you're nervous. And I know the Vikings' defense is fantastic. So is he. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm putting my money on Drew Brees, getting points. I think they win outright. Uncle Mike, what's the the public betting here? Uh, this game here, the uh, about sixty five percent of the public is on New Orleans. So I mean, I kind of that should uh, that should you know push you away a little bit because usually you want to go against the public. But um, yeah, it's 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 I'm just I'm, I might see the line move. I guess sometimes you got to roll. I'm with shocked it. to see it. You got to roll. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's <sighs> I, I the one rule of thumb. If we're going to go by rule of thumbs here, the first one was uh, never bet against New Orleans and actually uh, New Orleans on uh, New England and and the Warriors. Second rule of thumb is uh, if it's too good to be true, probably is. Um, and I think a lot of people might be seeing New Orleans getting five points uh, as a lot, but it opened at four. They were getting four and then moved to five. So a lot of people like Minnesota. So you know maybe the line will move back the other way. Come game time, I'm curious to see. If you're betting the underdogs, folks, wait to about five minutes before the game. That's when you get the most points. And also, if you're thinking about straight-up quarterbacks, I'm saying in this playoff here, think about the quarterbacks left. You got Ben and Bortles. You got Brady and Mariota. Matt Ryan and Foles. And then lastly, you got Breeze and Keenum. (laughs) Imagine in your heads which quarterbacks you think make it to the next round. Everyone says it's a quarterback league, and I've been challenging that this whole year, saying, look at these teams like the Vikings doing well, and look at these teams like the Bills hanging and the Jaguars being good with bad or average quarterbacks. When it comes to playoff time, is that when the quarterback matters most? I don't know. Interesting. Good little point there, Pete. That's it. I don't know, because all I hear, what do, what do you hear all the time, as soon as football gets brought up? God damn, if you're a Jets fan, you know it. Quarterback. You need the quarterback. Need the quarterback. Need the quarterback. But in if you're looking at time, quarterbacks right now, it goes. I don't know. It goes. You need a defense too, and Minnesota mm. is the best defense. I think you know. I know defense wins championships, but you got to score points to win games. I think you know. My my dad would be kicking me right now if you heard me saying this, but I know offense wins games, defense wins championships, yada yada yada. But I think I'm going on the offense over hey, the defense. This ain't the championship, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's all the picks. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. So let's recap real quick. We're all on the Saints. That's never good. Um, we're mm. all on the Patriots. That's the rule of thumb. And then we got a little yep. split. Oh, no, we're actually – are we all on the Steelers as well? Yeah. We're all on God the Steelers. God damn, we're riding together. That's what I said. If Especially if the Jaguars win, we all have to come – we have to must – we're going to record and we have to do 10 minutes of silence and just make our listeners sulk with us, make fun of us. I don't know. Because we'll deserve something if we get those all wrong. That would be crazy. Magic goes the other way. Like, my under theory is right, but just Jacksonville, like, 30 steals, four. You know, like, I have three favorites, man. I don't like that. I don't feel weird about that. As it is to be good. See, that, that's, that's, but that's how it's supposed to go, right? Uncle Mike, yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. After you put in a bet, it's supposed to feel really bad and dirty right after, right? <laughs> um, I can't tell you the last time I put in a bet, and I looked, I was like, well, uh, this was easy, and then I wound up winning that bet, you know, so. Uh, the the um and where do we go on that first game? I know I you went Philly. Philly. You both went Philly. I went Atlanta. So that's that's where it gets uh, teetered this week. Me either me and Mike win or Phil wins against both of us. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So the, the first the week the first week of playoffs set the precedent of underdogs, and you know we're not going to see all four underdogs win again uh, this week. But I think it's it's kind of set the tone for you know this is a bit of a, a dog playoffs, you know. So, uh, how much time we have? Oh, we're we're chilling, man. We're coming up on 50 minutes. I figured we'd uh, finish up this little little banter here and say goodbye. But yeah, what, what are you thinking? Let's talk 10 minutes of hot stove. Of hot stove. Got a little, got a little, got a little warm wow. in New York yesterday. Did, did sorry, wait. Did you wow. say the uh, MLB lukewarm stove? Is that what you said? Well, yeah. The your team did turn up a little bit. The uh, most uh, they're gonna turn in the whole year, but they, they did, turned it they up just a little heat, bit. No, you know what they just did. They put in a plate in the in the microwave with like a really really solid block 
of pasta. Like it wasn't separated at all. It was like all sm- it was like all <laughs> stuck together. And they put it like on medium, which no no one cooks anything in the microwave on medium. And they put it in for like uh, thirty seconds. That's what happened. Yeah. Where are you getting this block of pasta from? Nah, you know if like you say pasta is stuffed in a Tupperware and it gets like all they, stuck they, up they, together. Okay. You know what I mean? Something I'm like you know I, my vision there was like a little chicken chow fun. It's like that that noodle. Perfect. That's what. Yeah. It, a little udon noodles maybe. maybe. Mm, yeah. General Chow is all choppy. Right. Anyway, you yeah. break it into the middle. Of and course, it's still we're talking cold. about the Mets signing Jay Bruce to a three-year deal, thirty-nine million dollars. I learned today that the first year is only ten million dollars, and the other two are fourteen point five. So, for ten million dollars, you got Jay Bruce this year. Pete, why aren't the Mets? I know what I know the answer. Why aren't they spending more money on more other positions? Um. I actually, you might think off of my initial reaction to the MLB lukewarm stove that I don't like the Jay Bruce signing. I'm actually perfectly cool with it. I think it's it's not bad. I think, uh, like, people were sent, telling me, like, Lorenzo Cain was this almighty option they should have got instead of Jay Bruce. But no way. I'm, like, I just don't get that. I feel like they're the same except Jay Bruce hits more home runs. And Lorenzo Cain, you know, his athleticism is part of his game. He's like 31. I don't. I don't get that. So I'm fine with Jay Bruce. Um, but overall, the Mets are just underwhelming, and I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world. Because as soon as their expectations get too high, that makes me nervous. And there's not really many there's expectations. Same exact team last year, really. Same Which can do. Which can do better. Which can totally do better than did last year. Well, so I mean, as a Mets fan, you having you know the quote unquote same exact team as last year. If you're healthy, you know you were expecting to go. You know, compete in the playoffs last year you know Every, so, everybody picked the Mets to be in the playoffs last year everybody yeah I I, I, I love the I love the signing for the Mets because it, you know Jay Bruce is going to give you the quality at bat he was pretty clutch and you know was pretty good in the middle of the lineup for the the Indians so you know that they needed that bat I think they need another bat and I think they backloaded the contract to potentially give them uh you know a, the one year deal option for maybe Moustakis or maybe, you know, I think Frazier wants a little uh, more security. I think Moustakis makes the most sense for the Mets. You know, you give him the one year, like 15 mil, something like that. I said, I think, see, as a Yankee fan, I actually want them to sign Moustakis as well on the one year deal. And I think because of this little bridge market, you know, there's not really much going on. Moustakis could go to, uh, you know, go, go boost his numbers somewhere. I think the Mets, if they go out, they go sign another bat, you know, get him in the middle of the lineup. Then you go sign a reliever, or you know you move for a reliever. And then all of a sudden, with with little luck and a little health on your side, you're you know with the Mets constraints on the salary, you're able to to kind of put a better team on the field that should win more games than last year. What also gets me with the Mets right now is not really their lack of going and signing free agents, because look around baseball right now. There's kind of a new wave of how to build a contender, and it's through the farm system and then using Definitely. that farm system to make really smart trades, right? The Mets have no farm system right now. They got nothing cooking. And Omar and I is back in the organization, which was like a weird move when I first like saw it. I was like, what? What's going on? But then I read about it, learned about why, and it's because Omar was like a prospect guy, and he was all about building the farm system, so that's a, that's a plus. Like, that's something we need to hear positive news about with the Mets. Oh, they have this prospect who looks good. Not, oh, they just spent $24 million, because that $24 million might look horrible in three years if they didn't pick the right guy. Yeah, so, well, the reason I said they need a little luck, too, is, is you need, uh, I don't know if Dom Smith, I don't know if he's the answer at first. I know he was highly touted. But from what I've seen of him, he just looks kind of, you know, He'd be the everyday everyday player, platoon player. You need Ahmed Rosario to, and it's tough for a rookie to have a lot of pressure on him to to produce uh, and to make the team do well. Um, but if he could be, you know, the player that uh, you know the number two prospect that they wanted, and you know, kind of start to grow a little bit this year, then you get some healthy players and some healthy player to Conforto and Cespedes. You know, stays healthy. Your pitching stays healthy. You're looking at a totally different team than you were uh, middle of the season last year from the Mets. But like I said, you got to stay healthy. I mean, every team does. You got to get lucky, and you just you got to the players got to step up. You need Harvey to step up in his contract year. Maybe you know I don't think they're going to trade him, but I think this is the last year for Harvey. I have a question. In, in the uniform. Is Jose Reyes still on the team? Uh, it's a great question. I know Asdrubal Cabrera is still on the team. I believe Reyes uh, was have... technically on a on a one year, but I can't imagine him getting many hits around the league. Uh, so he might. So, have... uh, Pete, is Rosario your day one um, opening day hitter? 
I'm going um, yeah, lead, off, lead off hitter? Yes and yes. I, well, first off, if he's obviously the shortstop, right? So that's obvious. But uh, sure, let's go. Put him in the one hole. Why not? I'm fine with does, that. Does uh does not having a second baseman really you know are you gonna put Azdrubal there? What's you know or maybe bring Reyes back to play second? Man, Azdrubal with that weird like fit he started throwing last year about he was the shortstop and that's what he wanted to play like trade me now. That makes me. Like, I think it's also because the Mets were pretty bad. Reyes yeah. is free agent right now. Yeah, I thought he was on a one year. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Honestly. I think Cabrera can stay there for now, right? Like that's that's what's gonna happen realistically. So like, what I don't, I'm not getting my hopes up for anything else. Like I don't expect anything more than that. And some people like to complain intensely about that, but it comes down to expectations. And if you expected the Mets to try to make splashes this this off season, like you just came in with false reality. They gotta make a, you know, I if they start Addison Reed back, it's funny, you know, like they got rid of all these players for not much, but you know they really, you know. They were pretty good players, you know. Like, I wouldn't, you know, if I was a Mets fan and they re-signed Addison Reed, I wouldn't be upset by that either. I agree. You know, they need they need another arm in the bullpen for sure. Can, I think they need. Can never have enough more. Form. Can never have enough those. So, Phil, I have a question sure. though. For, from from your perspective of just being like a Yankee MLB guy, what could the Mets have done differently to you know appease their fans or Mike, whoever wants to jump in? I don't know, but. Like what? What could they have done to appease the fan base more than you know, signing Jay Bruce? I guess. Ideally, and, and, and Anthony right Swarzak. Osmier. Let's not forget about him. In an ideal world, where your money doesn't matter. Eric Osmier. But that was never gonna happen. You're saying in the, this off season? Yeah. They got you know, two bats really, and they got one. You know, uh, it's not like they went and got, um, you know. You know, Jay Bruce is, is a solid signing. You know, like, you know, that's for the, the money they got him. That's a good signing. I'm, you know, I'm a Mets fan. If I wasn't Mets fan, thank God I'm not. That's you know, I'm, I'm okay with that signing. If with, with guys like JD Martinez, he's got a lot of money. I don't expect the Mets to sign him. Guys like Lorenzo no Kane, I Never. don't. I don't want. I don't want my team to sign him. I think he's overrated. I think he's going to get a lot of money from the team. I think he's going to turn into like an Ellsbury contract. Not obviously that big. I just don't think he's going to pan out in the long run. Uh, Moustakis, you know, that would be, if I was a Mets fan and they signed him, I'd be shocked. I'd be really pleasantly surprised. Um, and you have guys, uh, you, know, you know, like pitchers on the market, you know, like they're not going to sign Arietta. They don't need to sign Arietta, but it's just like another, you know, another name, you know, like Mets fans, they want names. They want some guys that can say, wow, my team's spending money. It's just showing the effort from ownership. And I think that's what, as a Mets fan, I would be happy about. But I feel like it's just all a mirage. It's all a mirage. The Mets have gone out in, in off seasons and spent a lot of money. But every time they've had like a real run, it wasn't free agency, was it? Like maybe Carlos Beltran near right, like that that little run there with Beltran and uh, Delgado. They've only they've only had two runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And like all these other years where they take these chances, I mean, don't even bring it up. But Jason Bay, right? Like. That was a name. It was like, oh, Jason Bay is coming to town. Like, such a bad taste in our mouth now because he played so bad. At the time, that was the move. Like, it was a no-brainer. Well, and I the, think Moustakis uh, and Hosmer are, like, like, in that realm. The, the Yankees, they make those signings more frequently. And they have just as many bad signings as the Mets do. But they just make more of them, so more of them pan out. You know, it's kind of like just the, you know, probability. It's... You know, if you sign ten players and seven of them are going to be bad, there's going to be three that pan out to be good. You know, those call a thirty percent clip. The Mets, you know, it takes them a decade, if that, to make ten big signings. You know, the Yankees might do that in a you know, a four or five year span. So, so so that's that's enough. The, about the Mets, probability cause... of the Mets heading heading on a free agent. What was that? I was going to say, well, I, I think that's enough about the Mets because I was listening to the K show earlier and they were talking about the Mets and it was just like, it's just a sad thing to talk about now. Like there's not well, let, let a let whole lot. Today. What? Today the Yankees, I'll bring up your day here. Yeah, let's talk the about Yankees, the Yankees, right? Uh, let's talk about yeah, the Yankees. They, they, they signed Canley and Hicks on one-year arbitration deals. They avoided arbitration and they got them on one-year deals. Uh, Canley for about 1.3, I think. Hicks was like two and change. Um so you gotta be happy about that, you know. Nice, controllable, solid players. Um, 
things are looking great in Yankee land. I hope they make a move for a starter. I do not want it to be Darvish for seven years, 160. No. I do not want that. They pulled that deal. I think they gave him like a 48-hour window, and then they pulled the deal on it, which, uh, you know, if you, you know, that's what, 20, like 2 million, whatever it is. I think, you know, something along those lines, 23 million. I'm not giving any pitcher more than five years. I'm sorry. No, no. But um, I would like them. And Garrett Cole, do you want them to trade for Garrett Cole still? Um, depends the price. Um, I think I see. I don't want the Astros to get him. They beat him before pitcher. Right. So but, I didn't want the Yankees to trade, and you know anyone high prospects for for Cole. If you have to trade Frazier, I'm torn on that. But then yesterday the Astros come out and say they want Cole. Now I'm nervous. Like, hey, you know that's that's going right for our our number one enemy right now, our number one in competition. Yeah. So is it is it trading for him? To, to gain for us is that more important or to make sure our, our opponent doesn't yeah you know? Defensive move. you know so it's it, it's tough and i don't want to give up you know obviously you want to win the trade i don't think they're gonna give up torres no they might give up frazier you know yeah like, i think it would be frazier i don't know Wait, also i have a quick question for both of you guys as uh as you can tell you know I'm not as big a MLB def- defender as uh, as mo- as like maybe say you guys are bigger MLB fans than I am. I should I should phrase it like that. So the MLB hot stove is their thing, right? What what makes this time specifically today or whatever like is that stove really hot? Like be honest. Well, the reason why it's not hot right now because about four of the top ten, even maybe even more, are Scott Boris clients. And Scott Boris historically always waits to like last not last second, but he 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 throws it out a little bit. That's why you're not seeing the market go a lot. Um, I think once maybe now usually the non-board clients are waiting for them to get their deals, so they can base it off that. That's why we're kind of at a stalemate right now. I think once the first Boris client goes, it would be JD, Hosmir, Arietta. Um, then you'll see more players going. But right now we're at a stalemate. That's why. So, so I think it also has to do with what you said before, Pete. That teams are kind of different strategy of building their teams. You know the seven-year contracts. I think those are close to to extinct. extinct I think, extinct, set, yeah. you know, the Yankees traded for Stanton with a 10-year deal. That's kind of, you know, with the he hasn't opt out. I don't think he's going to opt out. I'm not thrilled about the 10-year deal, but the premium you get for five, six, seven years of prime Stanton, the premium you, know, you pay is, is that three years at the end that, you know, he's not really producing as much. But that being said, you're not getting 10 years. You're not getting nine. You're not getting eight. Seven is even a lot. I think like six is like the new ten-year deal, where you know that's if players can get a six-year deal these days, then that's that would be real long-term. They do, and I just right. think that teams don't want to spend and, and dedicate that much time and, and money to players, so they're, they're looking for other options. So was it fair to say that the MLB stove is only lukewarm right now? The the water is still boiling. You know, the Yankees got our guy, so I you know I'm my the my biggest stove was the hot. biggest move already made. You already you, know, you already cooked your uh, what you, you baked your cake and yeah, you ate the, it already. The pot, the pot came off the stove, you know, like I, the sauce was ready and that was that. You know, I didn't need you know everyone else's stove isn't working. My my sauce, I already ate my pasta. I'm good. Oh, I'm no, season. Pete, uh, no differences. Now Mets fans are eating that cold block of pasta. That's what I'm fans saying. They ate flaming young man like two months ago. Yeah, for real. Mm. I gotta <laughs> say, I do enjoy a little chicken chow fun, you know. Dude, I'm a big lo mein udon noodle fan. Either of those noodle types of noodles, I'm a big fan. All right, guys, any final thoughts on this weekend or baseball? No, I got nothing. I say let's go to my picks. The Knicks really need to figure some shit out right now. Porzingis need to rest up. I don't know. Tim Hardaway got to come back. That's all I got. Oh, and also NBA Outsiders coming soon with more stuff. There you go. Pete, are the Knicks ever going to win a big game in overtime or just in regulation? I keep turning these games on and – they oh just no! Keep no. breaking my heart. Absolutely not. There, no, no. I saw uh, my last thought would be I saw a funny tweet today uh, that uh, the Knicks. What was it? Oh, uh, the Knicks stock around from October to December is when you buy and sell because that's when they do it to every year, and it's true. You know, they get hot, they go a couple games over five hundred, and then right around Christmas Day, that game. Uh, you know, look until now. What have they won? They won one game since. What the game in in? Uh, they won two. New Orleans. They won New Orleans would I, and Dallas. Would I tell you um, last podcast? What should we? What would we be looking forward to after this little road trip? Looking at those NBA mock drafts, baby. Yep, that's what we'll be looking at very soon. You know, I've been looking at. 
I think they're gonna trade either O'Quinn and or Hernan Gomez. You ready? Least. Wait, you ready for this? I was thinking about it today. Actually, I'm dropping it here. No one in the world will probably hear this because it's like a minute and five. We've been like closing this podcast for like ten minutes already. But ready? Spin zone coming from the Knicks. Enos Cantor gets traded, and KO Aww. and Willie stay here. Enos Cantor, you guys are gonna start figuring it out if you didn't already. He's overrated. He fooled the entire city. He tricked everybody. He's playing. Yeah. Hard. He's playing With hard on defense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he he does this everywhere he goes. Went to Utah, <laughs> then he left Utah. But actually, he left OKC on great terms. He liked the city and whatnot. But he didn't play fourth quarters for them. He's not been playing fourth quarters for the Knicks. There's a reason behind that. He's not very good at defense. He's also kind of limited on offense. Doesn't spread the floor. He's not as good as he made people think he was. He tricked everybody. Interesting. All right. I'm trying to tell y'all. Nobody listens. I love it on that, Pete. That was I like that. I learned a little bit right there. Man, I've been saying it. Tread lightly on Cantor. He's doing all these tough guy things. He knows how to play it. He knows how to do it at the right time in front of the right you, cameras. You, you, you got a first round pick for him? Nah, that's that's tough. Yeah, what what you got? What you're gonna hope for with uh, Cantor is any sort of pick and one of those players who's like, you know, a decent young guy who has some. Langston like, Galloway. Who? No, no, he's not young anymore. But also. A guy, a young guy who uh, doesn't really get opportunity to play because he's like on a better team, or you know, there's a, guy, a bunch of guys in his position. Someone like uh, you know, like right now, say say like the Nets were all healthy and like Jeremy Lin and DeAndre Russell were playing, like Spencer and Dinwiddie would be like that guy. I'm trying to think of a different team. I can't hmm. off the top of my head, but yeah. You think like if that. you think if like uh, one of the big game names like the Cavs or uh, uh, the Warriors, they lose like a big man, they go to the Knicks, like and the Knicks just kind of fleece them a little bit, like yeah, you know, no. what, we'll give you. Um, I have a team for you. Pete. No, you want to know why, much before Phil? Wait, oh, why, yeah. what, which team? The Washington Wizards. That's a maybe. I was gonna say uh, absolute no to the Warriors or Cavs because they're too smart. They wouldn't want him on there. They wouldn't want Cantor. They wouldn't want him. He does. He I was thinking kind of along with the Mozgov uh, trade a couple of years ago. But Mozgov plays a role: defense and rebounding. Cantor yeah. rebounds yeah. pretty well, better on offense because he cares about scoring. I don't know. That's just me. All right, wrap this up. I'm all good. You guys got me all jerked up at a minute and five. How do you do that? <laughs> well, that's how I felt when you broke the, the, the lukewarm stove. <laughs> that's fair. That that's me, fair enough. <laughs> all right, guys. Good one. Uh, I'm Pete Kennedy. Uh, Mike Thomasano. I'm Phil DeMeo. Sports Blog New York Podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Let's go Steelers.